Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. In honor of Valentine's Day, we should, we should take a poll. So I'm interested to see how many people uh, say Valentine's Day. Anybody say Valentine's Day? A couple, I see a couple hands going up. Uh, any, okay, Valentine's Day. 99% of us say Valentine's Day. Let's, let's look at how the word is spelled just to make sure that we're clear. It's very clearly an N, so... Uh, you Valentine's people need to get on board. <laughs> I'm just picking. I'm just picking. Uh, hey, happy Valentine's Day. We're glad you're here this morning. Um, uh, in honor of Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about some relationship stuff. I hope that, that when you walk out of here today, wherever you're at in the, in the spectrum of um, either being single or married or widowed or whatever, uh, you, you, you find yourself um, having learned something and better for it this morning. So, um, this is some stuff that's going to be kind of part one, part two. Part one is just going to be some stuff that, that I would cover in a premarital counseling session. If, you, if I was going to officiate your wedding, this is some stuff that we would talk about. This is some stuff that Lori and I learned pretty early on in our wedding, and I believe that it's, it's in, our, in our marriage. I believe that it's been very helpful to us. This is stuff that we've learned in the church. Um, over the years, and so uh, just really, really helpful for us, and I hope that you guys, uh, again, if you're single, this will help you to understand um, from that perspective, or if you're married, just to help build your marriage, um, so this should be good, um, and I do just want to state, I think uh, these, the this, this stuff that I'm about to get into some differences between men and women, and, and how God made us, and why we are the way we are, and I just, these are stereotypes, so this is not true for 100% of the women or 100% of the men, but generally speaking, um, most guys would say, yeah, I'm kind of wired that way, most women might, you might nod your head in agreement, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you too, so um, I want to start in Genesis 1:27, very early in scripture, uh, God in the creation account, it says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. So just very early on in, in, in Scripture, we see when God's making everything, he gets to man and woman, and he makes us separate and distinct and unique, but we're both made in his image. And some of the differences that when, you, you know, the obvious physical differences between men and women uh, are there, but um, when the, it's the underlying, some of the underlying things that, uh, that, that men, and men and women are different, and if we can understand that, we're headed in the right direction for, for great relationships. So let's just dive right into this. Um, so ladies are, are relational and guys are physical. And uh, just understand, I'm just going to kind of do a flyby on these. If, you know, we, we could kind of go more in depth into each one of these. Uh, but for the sake of time this morning, we, we're, again, just going to kind of do a flyby. So ladies are relational, guys are physical. Ladies, um, this... Uh, women are just very relational. They like to be together with their girlfriends and, and talk and communicate and, 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 and they'll talk about anything, but this is most clearly represented when a woman gets up and goes to the bathroom. What happens? Several women go together. It's, you know, flock. And uh, guys, if you ever ask me to go to the bathroom with you, I'm probably going to punch you. Um, guys, just, we just don't ask one another. It's just not, we're not wired that way. It just would be weird. Um, so, uh, it just displayed in that way. Um, ladies are very relational. Uh, guys are very physical. If you look at a, you know, a young boy, uh, boys are rough and tumble. We like to jump off of things. We, we're going to wrestle. I grew up with uh, four brothers, and we wrestled all the time. 
um, you know, WWF, Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania style, and we are grown men, and yes, we still wrestle today. Uh, we punch each other in the arm and put each other in headlocks. This is kind of what guys do. Guys are very physical, and again, this, this, this translates out into dating relationships. Guys, we, we want to be physical in the, in the dating relationships as well, and we got to kind of learn to put the brake on that sometimes. So, um, ladies love chivalry. Guys love buddies. So for the sake of this morning, we're going to define chivalry as treating a woman like a queen. Ladies, you want your man to treat you like a queen? Yes, most women would not in agreement with that. We, they want their man to be treated like a queen. The thing of it is, most men are not born with this information. We, we don't know what that really means. So we have to have this modeled for us. We have to learn how to do this. Now we can learn from our buddies in school. Probably not a great place. We can learn from Hollywood. Still probably not a great place. Uh, we, we, we should be learning that from our fathers, um, but it, some fathers don't know. They've never been, been taught this. So uh, from a very early, Lori and I have, my wife Lori and I, we have two kids, a, a daughter who's a junior in high school and a son who's a freshman in high school. And from a very early age, we wanted to teach them uh, what this, you know, this, all this stuff, this, the relationship stuff that we're talking about this morning. But we, so one way that we, um, did this or do this in our family is to go on daddy daughter dates we've done this from a very early age and and mommy son dates and and so we we do this upright I you know I actually take a shower put on some deodorant some cologne get to smelling good dress up nice go out steal some of Lori's flowers out of the flower garden knock on the door is Abby here for our date she comes out all dolled up and I escort her to the car and get the car door and get the restaurant door and pull the chair out and while we're having dinner, I'm, it's conversation, I'm making eye contact and keeping eye contact, I'm not on my phone, I'm not, I'm on the date, right, and all the while I'm doing that, Lori's out with Noah and teaching him some of the same things, and, and uh, it's just one way that we wanted to, um, to try to instill what it means to treat a woman like a queen, what it means to be in relationship to, to, with our kids, so that when they are old enough and can date, that uh, they, if Fabby goes out on a date and she gets a, a guy that um, uh, he's just a jerk, she knows pre- he's not treating me like a queen, I can kick him to the curb. Now, it may be, she, she, has to, she has to figure this out, it may be that he's just never been taught this. He's never been, he's a good guy, uh, he's just never had this modeled for him, so she kind of has to decide that, is he worth, you know, keeping around, but um, we just, this is one of the things that we do in our family. Um, Guys love buddies. Um, women, you, you may know this, that guys, when there are no women around, we act a little different than when there are women are around. We like to burp and fart and scratch and grunt. Oh, you know, men, we, we, we like to be men. We got to get that out of our systems. And um, so just allow some space for your, for your man to uh, be with his buddies once in a while with, you know, with that, because you don't want us doing that in public when we're, you know, it's inappropriate to be doing um, in the middle of a sermon. Uh, so we, we, we love our buddies and, and um, really kind of thrive on those relationships. Ladies are very verbal. Guys are very visual. Man, this is, one, this is a huge one. Ladies, um, there's a lot, I've seen and heard lots of different statistics on this, but we're, we'll just go with, with these ones. Uh, women on average use about 25,000 words a day. Men on average use about 15,000 words a day. Women 25,000, men 15,000. Obvious difference there. Women, women just generally talk more than men, and that's just not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. So when Lori 
uh, gets off work, she's got about a 25-minute commute. Oftentimes on that commute, she's on the phone. She, she doesn't, you know, she's just sitting in silence. I'm sure she does it sometimes, but she'll call me. She'll call her parents. She'll call a friend. Um, she might call you if you give her your cell phone number. She just, she just like she's verbal. She's got to get it out. I, and I'm not uh, as, most men aren't as verbal as, as the women are. And so um, in, in your relationships, you just got to kind of understand this, that guys, when you get home and your wife asks you, you know, how was your day? Sometimes I can get away with, eh, it was okay. I had a good day. But sometimes I gotta, she wants more than that. She wants to hear about my day, and I have to verbally communicate that to her. I don't have to do it every time. Lori gives me some space to, to not be verbal sometimes, but, but I know it kind of fills her up to communicate in that way. So it's just something that we've both got to kind of work on. And then uh, guys are very visual. Ladies, you may not know this about your, your guy, but we, we are very visually wired. It's why a lot of guys, when they see the cool car driving down the street, it's like, yes, Ford Mustang, 5.0 GT racing stripes. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we get fired up about the car, right? And your ladies are like, it's a car. Uh, you, so we just, it's why... Uh, 99% of pornography is geared towards men. Very, men are very visually stimulated. Uh, God made us that way. It's not an excuse for men to be animals, and, and we got to kind of get this under control. Um, but you, you need to know, women, that it's just something that it's just kind of the way God, God made us. So um, we're, we're very visually wired, and women, not so much. Generally, it's, it's just kind of the opposite there. So um, ladies feel their emotions. Guys think their emotions. Uh, again, because women are very verbal uh, and, and like to talk about themselves and their feelings, and, and they got to get it out. And guys, we, we just tend to be neck up on emotions. We don't talk about our emotions very well. We don't display our emotions very well most of the time. Um, again, this is kind of a big big difference there. Ladies love romance, and guys like action. Now, this, this, this is, again, broad spectrum, but it's easiest to talk about in relation to like romance novels or movies, right? Chick flicks versus action flicks. So um, romance novels are geared towards women. Action movies are geared towards men, generally speaking. Um, but w- women love romance. They, they want to be romance. They want to be treated like a queen. They want their husband, their boyfriend to come in and, and you know, sweep them off their feet and rescue, be the knight in shining armor. They, they want to be romanced in that way. That's why... Romance novels and chick flicks are so popular. Um, guys like action. We, if ten times out of ten, if you ask me, Ryan, do you want to see chick flick or action movie? Action movie every time. Yes, Sylvester Stallone, killing people, blowing things up. Action. I, I like chick flicks, but I, I just if there's a good choice, I'm always going to probably choose the, the 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 action movie. And again, this goes it. This trickles down into our relationships, and especially in a dating relationship. Got we we like action. We want to go. Uh, we want to go to the football game. We want to play softball with our buddies. We we probably are, are going to push the relationship a lot faster than than, than a woman would. Uh, so, kind of a big difference there. And then the, this last one is a little tricky. Um, ladies are an orchestra. Guys are a drum solo. And this is specifically in regards to your sex drive. Women, you. <laughs> You are a, an orchestra. An orchestra it has to be finely tuned. It takes a while to get it tuned up. Are you with me? Uh, there's all of the instruments, and they've all, they're all down in the pit doing their thing, and it takes a couple minutes to get that figured out, and there's the guy up front kind of leading the whole thing. And, and once everybody 
once the momentum gets happening and, and uh, you know, the, the, the instruments all come together and make some beautiful music, your sex drive, it, it takes a little longer. Guys, we're a drum solo. Like, we're, we can just flip a switch. We're always on. Um, yes, pretty much. That's, you guys, I think, get, the, get, get that. Okay, so, but I, I need to understand that my, it's going to take Lori a little bit longer than it, than it would me. So this is that's for married couples. If you're single, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, ha, so Matthew 19, Jesus has asked a question, and he's, the question is specifically about divorce. But I find it interesting because he he references back to Genesis 1:27. They you know they didn't have the New Testament Bible when when Jesus was walking the earth. They just had all of the Old Testament scriptures, and he references back. He, they're trying to tr- trip Jesus up, and they ask him this question. Uh, specifically about divorce, and he answers it this way. He says, haven't you read, Jesus replied, don't you know that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And again, I I just find it fascinating that he, he references back to this Scripture of God creating men and women um, separate and unique with very obvious physical differences and then a whole lot of underlying differences and and yet we are both made in the image of the Creator. So um, now, if you'll just allow me some grace here in the next few minutes, I'm I'm going to be speaking primarily to the singles in the room. But if even if you're married, if you've been married. I think what we're about to unpack applies to you, regardless if you're newlywed, if you've been married 10 years or 50 years. Uh, what I'm about to say, I think, applies to, to all of us. So um, everyone has a list. Uh, even if we say we don't have a list, we, we, we have a list. It's the, it's the list of likes or dislikes uh, to determine whether or not someone is worth dating or not, someone is, if someone is worth pursuing. Or if you're married, it's the list of attributes that you want your spouse to have. Uh, for some of you, this is an actual list that you've written down. For others, this is maybe just a mental list. You know in your mind the type of person you're looking for or the type of person you want your spouse to be. So what's on your list? Does the person have to be smart or funny, attractive, strong, tall, short, uh, a Christian, confident, a football player, a musician, a supermodel, right? So uh, for some of you, the list isn't very long. You're just looking for someone who can breathe as long as they're alive and willing to go out with you. you you'll take them. M- most of you have spent some time thinking about this, though, right? Uh, maybe you're not getting married anytime soon. Maybe you're already married, found the one. But you, if you're single, you wouldn't mind finding someone now to spend some time with. And you'd like for them to be the right person to hang out with, someone who's a great fit for you and what you want. But there's a problem with that, isn't there? Uh, finding that someone isn't easy. I mean, you can, if you're a, a high school or college student, you spend your whole day around hundreds or thousands of other students. Um, it, it, for those, if, if you're maybe single and working, you, you've got single coworkers maybe, and uh, you've gone to eHarmony and set up your, your, your profile, Christian Mingle, and, and yet it can still feel impossible to find the right someone for you to hang out with. And there are lots of reasons that this can be true because maybe you like her and she doesn't like you. Uh, He likes you, but you're not into him. 
Uh, you both like each other, but he used to date your best friend, so he's off the list. And, and on and on we could go. There are lots of reasons. And, and even when you do find the right person, it sometimes doesn't take long for them to become the not-so-right-for-you person. Has this ever happened to you? He or she was the, you know, the greatest person on the planet, and then after you hung out with them for a while, went on a couple dates, you, you saw a completely different person. Finding someone dateable for you isn't easy. And so with that in mind, let's just talk about something that you may have never thought about before, but that can make or break your dating experience. To start the conversation, I, I, I want to tell a story about a girl. This girl uh, grew up in church. She went to college. She graduated from college, moved to Atlanta, where she immersed herself in the dating scene. And, and, uh, and I realize, you know, if you're already married or if you're, you're single, uh, you know, maybe you aren't thinking about after-college dating right now. Um, you're just trying to get someone to text you back today. So just, just kind of stick with me for here for a second. Um, after college, the girl kind of drifted from God. She didn't quit believing in God. She just kind of set her faith to the side for a while. One night she met a guy at a party, and as they talked, she quickly realized he's a great dude. This is a great guy. Um, the kind of guy she had always hoped to find. He was a Christian, and the way that he lived out his faith affected every other area of his life. Not only that, he, um, he, not only was that an attractive quality, it brought back good memories of her walking with God, memories that she, she really hadn't thought about in a while. She left that party thinking, wow, that guy was awesome. Um, a few days later, she hung out with her mom and started talking about this dude that she had met at the party with her mom. And mom, he's, he's good looking, he's funny, he volunteers with kids at his church, he says good things about other people. It's obvious that his faith is a huge deal to him. And on and on she went. And in that moment, her mom turned to her and said, Sweetheart, this is hard to say, but do you really think if all of those things are important to him that you're the kind of girl he's looking for? Ouch, right? Hard to hear, maybe? But when her mom said it, the girl knew that she was right. As challenging as it was to hear her mom say that those words changed everything for her, in that moment she realized that by searching for the right person, putting all of her energy into searching for the right person, she'd missed out on something really important. She needed to work on becoming the right person. Why? Because becoming someone is greater than finding someone. Becoming someone is greater than finding someone. Now, the story may be a bit extreme. My guess is maybe very few of you could have kind of imagined yourself in that scenario, especially, you know, if you're single now. But I, here's the thing. I don't want that to be your story someday. I want you to start working now on becoming the right person. What this girl realized is that she had spent all of her time looking for the right person, but she had neglected to focus on being the right person. So think back a moment to your list. What's on your list? About the kind of guy or girl that you want to date, or if you're married, the kind of person that you, you would want your spouse to be. Is he or she kind? Then they're probably looking for someone who is considerate and nice, right? Uh, are they honest? And do they have a good reputation? Then chances are they want to date someone with those qualities too. And if that's true then this is a big deal, right? Becoming someone is greater than finding someone. So if you want to be datable, here's the question you have to answer. Um, 
Are you focused on finding someone or becoming someone? And again, this applies to those of us that are married in the room today. Are we, are we working on becoming someone? The Bible doesn't offer specific advice on how to find the right person, but it does share how to become the right person. Without a doubt, I think God uh, cares a lot about you becoming the right person, but it doesn't happen accidentally, does it? And, it? and it doesn't happen by dating more or hunting for someone who matches your list. It requires some real thought and decisions on your part. And so I want to read a specific list to you out of the Bible. And, and I, think of this list as your goals for the kind of person that you want to become. Um, not just the kind of person that you'd like to hang out with or the kind of person that you want your future spouse to be, but the kind of person you, you want to become, okay? The Apostle Paul wrote this list to a church of Christians who were in the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth also had a, a goddess named Aphrodite that people were worshiping. If you are familiar with your Greek mythology, you, you will know that Aphrodite is the goddess of love. In the city of Corinth, up on the highest hill in the city, overlooking the entire city, was Aphrodite's temple. And it is said, it, it, part of the mythology of this, and, and this, this is not a myth, there were prostitutes, they say up to a thousand prostitutes that worked in or around the temple of Aphrodite um, during this period of time when Paul would have written this letter. Now, modern historians um, think that the temple wasn't big enough to house that many prostitutes. But even if it was 100, think, so this is, this is going on in the temple. People would have known this, and the people that were Christians may have been confused. And so Paul writes a letter uh, to kind of clear some of these things up. And um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. This is known as the love chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this list read at, at weddings. Maybe it was even read at your own wedding. And this list not only... I think clarifies what love should look like, but, but also the type of person we should work to become. So, so here, here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Okay? So, again, Paul's writing this for clarification back to the church where there's crazy, some crazy stuff going on around them. And so let's just unpack this a little bit. Love is patient. This means that love never pressures the other person. It creates as much time and space as a person would need. Um, if you're in a dating relationship and you're being pushed, then I would say that person is not loving you. Love takes time to develop, and if you're interested in becoming dateable, work on being patient. Love is kind. This means that love is considerate. You take into consideration how the other person feels all of the time. If you're in a relationship with someone who never considers your feelings, beware of that, right? Um, don't wait until you find the perfect person and then start working on this. Start working on being kind and considerate in all of your relationships right now. Love does not envy. You know what envy is? Envy is when you think, I don't feel good about me. So I can't let you feel good about you. I'm going to drag you down instead of lifting you up. People who are envious lack confidence in who they are. And honestly, they're just not that much fun to be around. 
right? So be a person who can fully celebrate others even if you don't feel great about yourself. Love does not boast, it is not proud. This simply means that in every situation you are thinking about putting the needs of the other person uh, before your own, even if that costs you something or makes you look bad. Ron Redinger, one of our elders, uh, one of my favorite things he's ever said is, my job as a husband is to try to outserve my wife every day. My job as a husband is to try to outserve my wife every day. Love does not dishonor others. This means that when you date, you go out of your way to avoid creating regret for someone else. You decide that you will never be a part of someone else's regret story. Love does not behave indecently. It does not behave dishonorably towards anyone else. It doesn't treat others like a product to be consumed and then thrown away. It treats others like they matter. It means that, that you protect their heart and their emotions, and their bodies. Love is not self-seeking. Again, someone who is dateable looks out for the interests of others, and they care more about the other person. When you look at that list, doesn't that list look a lot like loving your neighbor as yourself? You see, Jesus was asked a a question by the youth pastors of the day, because we think we're smart, and we're trying to trip they were trying to trip Jesus up. The Pharisees, they were, they were like, Jesus, of all of the laws that God has given us, and there were over 600 laws that the, Jew, the Jews were trying to live their lives by. Of all of those laws, Jesus, which, which are the most important? Which one's the most important? They didn't think Jesus would have an answer, but Jesus had an answer. He said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is like it, is like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love People and he said, all of the law, all of the other six hundred laws flow out of these two. They all hang in the balance on these two laws: love the Lord your God with all that all that you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think Paul was tapped into that when, when he when he writes this passage in, in Corinthians. And this may sound heavy, and I get it. If you're single, you're just hoping to find someone to hang out with at the movies on a Friday night or ever, and that's okay. Focusing on becoming the right person has some real benefits. And I don't want you to miss out on them by focusing on things like becoming patient and kind and humble and selfless. You also become more dateable now. So think about the guy or or the girl who's nice to everybody. Or the guy who treats everyone like they're important. He looks out for his family and he intentionally makes other people look better. Aren't people like that naturally more attractive? Aren't they more dateable? Like the same is true for us today. When you focus on becoming someone with those characteristics, others will naturally see you as a more dateable, a more attractive person. For those of us who are married, how much better would your marriage be if both people in the marriage were putting these ideals and practices into play? Now, does any of this come naturally? No, we, none of it does. We are hardwired to look out for ourselves first, right? We're pretty selfish people. We're pre-programmed to be selfish, which means finding someone to make our lives better uh, and, and to meet our needs. And while those traits come naturally to us, those traits don't help us to become more dateable, right? In fact, th- those selfish traits can 
produce the opposite effect. You're like, that person's a jerk face. <laughs> you know, they're selfish. I don't want to date them anymore. The great news is, right now, we are surrounded by opportunities to practice this. If you're dating someone or married right now, you're in a good situation to work on becoming the things that we just talked about. If you're single, you have an opportunity to practice becoming more kind and more patient with your own family and friends. You have some time to work on honoring those around you and putting their needs first because becoming someone is greater than finding someone. I think Paul taught us these things not to help us become be- uh, to help us become better human beings. Not not just better boyfriends or girlfriends or husbands or wives. Uh, you are at a huge advantage when you make an effort to do this now because you won't find yourself living with regret later in life. So practice becoming patient. Practice becoming kind. Practice celebrating other people. Practice humility. Practice honoring others. Practice elevating other people. You'll thank me later, but you'll also be glad that you did. I don't think anyone ever regrets developing these traits. Uh, So as you guys head out today here in a couple minutes, I just want you to know that you can do this today if you decide to say, God, from this moment forward, I'm not just thinking about my list. I want to become someone different, someone who reflects all of the things that you say matter most. That's your best chance for success relationally. That's your best chance for becoming someone who is dateable. It's your best chance for being a great spouse. And in doing so, not only do you become the kind of person that others will want to date, you become more like Jesus in the process. So let's pray. Father God, uh, um, I'm thankful for... um, for you, God, and how you made us and these accounts that we have in Scripture written down for us. God, that you made men and women and you made us different. And yet, in your image, I'm thankful for uh, for my spouse and, and, and the way that you've blessed me, uh, God. And um, I guess I just I pray that, the, that everyone in the room today would have um, the courage to look at ourselves in the mirror and uh, there there are things that that we all fall short on in this list God so help us to identify what that is for us individually and to work on becoming more and more like you in this process God we we're we're, uh, we're humbled just to to be here today and and to worship you Uh, grant us safety as we all leave this place and go home God we love you so much and pray today Jesus' name. Amen.